Hi, I'm Charles. I'm Christine. And, and we, we eat stuff. Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to the show We Eat Stuff and Talk About Things. I'm Christine Guthrie. I'm from We Eat Stuff. This is a podcast where we interview St. Louisans related to food, cooking, drinking, and eating, and we learn more about them. My guest this week is Stephen Smith, mostly known as the owner of The Royale, but he's also part of the TikTok Tavern and also a new venture called The Palomino. We chat about Steve's background in Chicago and St. Louis and all the different sort of business ventures that he's had over the past couple years. He talks about his boxing and some of the interesting boxing matches that he has put on in uh, backyards over the last couple years. So thank you so much for tuning in. Please enjoy our conversation with Steve. I'm doing awesome. Sweet. Thanks for inviting me over on this hot day. Oh, yeah. I'm glad you could make it with us. Yeah. Um, so who are you? Who am I? Yeah. <laughs> what do you do in our house? I, um, <laughs> well, people know me uh, several different directions. Uh, probably, at the moment at least, they know me for the Royale Food and Spirits on South Kings Highway mm-hmm. in South City. Um, I also have a piece of the TikTok Tavern as well mm-hmm. over on Magnolia in Arkansas on the other side of Tower Grove Park. Mm-hmm. Um, I was born in Chicago, uh, moved here to St. Louis when I was a kid, uh, educated here in St. Louis. Uh, I've uh, had a variety of very, very different jobs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I first got into uh, the food industry uh, after I got out of the seventh grade. I Started washing dishes in a basement uh, next to a bar, uh, next to the bar room of a restaurant. So I got that sort of, that's my first full-on experience of what bar rooms are like. Hmm. And I, well, that wasn't my first experience. My first experience working in one. My father hmm. actually used to take me, uh, after we go to the YMCA, hmm. we would go to the uh, Jefferson Bar and Grill. Hmm. Or actually, it was just the Jefferson Bar. There was no grill there yet. Hmm. And uh, we would, uh, and that's where I learned how to play darts and talk to adults and Hmm. sort of just sort of learn how to more socially you know it's interesting to sort of mix in an adult social world but under some supervision as well so it wasn't just like you know i went out and i wasn't drinking at all i was just you know (laughs) having a root beer or something but it was sort of fun to do that and i've done many 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 different things since then i'm sure we'll talk about them today but i live in the south side and uh been uh, very much enjoying it and i almost kind of consider what i'm doing now is I'm in retirement now, hmm. but I, 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 like, I like to work in my retirement. Yeah, so yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't have it any other way. I wouldn't know what to do if I wasn't working, So, sure. yeah. but I'm doing exactly what I want to do. Cool. Awesome. Okay. So you've brought, you have a lot yes. of things here. You have some pretty bottles yes. full of colorful liquids and yes. vegan liquids. Hmm. What are you going to do for us? Okay. I'm going to make us a cocktail because it's a hot day out. Yeah. I, we're going to make a drink called the Tall Cool One. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've got the nice cubed ice. Uh, we have some uh, Plymouth gin. Uh, we have some uh, ginger ale, some lime juice, Pashad's bitters, and uh, a few 
few cuts of lime. So we go. will have a few drinks because I am looking forward to it. <laughs> Waffles. You said, I know, okay, you're about five times. Okay, oh, yeah, yeah, you're old enough to drink. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can do that. Totally. Yes, I don't have my <laughs> finest bar kit with me, but I have, uh, we will make do. Very nice. Uh, are those bottles from your home bar? They are from my home bar. So do you, are those antique bottles or what are they? No, I, I can't even remember where I picked them up. They're just nice bottles. <laughs> yeah, probably, they're beautiful. Yeah. Probably a fancy store so I came across. But uh, yeah, I often, I often do like to travel and bring liquor with me. Please. I love that you brought your own ice cubes. That's really yes. uh, something of a craft cocktail in the class. Yeah. <laughs> I, pay, I, pay, I paid enough for that uh, ice machine too. So. Wonderful. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we... Uh, a lot of costs. A lot of things I never knew would be involved in this business. You know, I always think, of course, you know, the liquids. You mm. know, that's mm-hmm. that's my primary thing mm-hmm. is the yeah. liquids. And, you know, we do great food, too. But I'm a barman by, uh, by just almost blood. <laughs> and, um, you know, now you think about the fine, you think, think about the beer, you think about the, the gin, the bitters, mm. the, the mixers. But, you know, sometimes you forget that these liquids... Now they affect the business. We'll get into that later. Let's talk about the delicious parts here. Yes. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Okay, so we'll be, okay, so we'll be first adding in some uh, classic gin here. This is the uh, Plymouth gin. And we'll do one and a half ounces here each. Boom. Yeah. Waffles walking very intently. Yes, waffles. <laughs> yes, waffles. You need to be my bar back. Yeah. That dog to work. Mm-hmm. And then... Uh, and uh, three quarters of an ounce of lime juice. Mm. And we fresh squeeze all of our limes uh, and lemons and grapefruit and orange, etc. And it's quite laborious, but that's just, you know, it's the kind of quality that I aspire to. Plus, mm-hmm. I have a uh, penchant for fresh fruit. I am, uh, I am still happy we're on the tail end of peach season right now. Mm. Should have done something peach inspired. I didn't even think about it. I was just... I've just been eating the straight source, you know, sure, sometimes yeah, yeah. I just get so excited about it. And then um, the ginger ale, This we actually use the Excel ginger ale. They also make the ski soda over in Breeze, Illinois. And uh, it's actually very, it's a very it's a decent, not decent, it's a very good quality ginger ale. Um, a lot of times they'll give you those little bottles, it's just really pricey to do that. And this is, mm-hmm. I believe, actually higher quality. And then, of course, some of the Peshaw's bitters. I forgot to bring a, a stirring mechanism, but we'll just kind of have to deal with it. I do have a bar spoon. Yeah, could you give me a yeah. bar spoon? That'd be good. Whoa, my goodness. Oh. Whoa, that was destroying everything. Careful. Yeah. Oh, oh, don't oh, my God. Oh, what's happening? I'm just I'm ruining all bars. the hard work. <laughs> okay, yes. Now we're safe. We're safe. So, one, two, three. Three dashes. One, two, three. One, two, three. So maybe touch Okay. And then we will garnish here with the lime juice. This is sort of, this podcast may not be on in the summertime, but I can assure you this is delicious any time of the year. Yes, it is. Uh, I am am a particular fan of the gin. It's one of my favorite. uh... Cool. That nudge the microphone on the table again. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. There you go. Thank you so much. There you go. All right. Wonderful. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you so Cheers. much. Cheers. All right. Appreciate it. 
Now I'm relaxed. That's good. Okay. Much better. Here we go. All right, now. All right, let's do this. Now it starts. <laughs> yes. Fall asleep on the couch. Mm-hmm. Here we are. <laughs> All so right. what did you want to be when you were a kid? Mm. Hmm. I wasn't totally sure. I wanted to be in a business of some sorts. Mm-hmm. Um, I studied history in school, so I uh, it always just fascinated me to see how things worked when you study other times to see how things worked and how things didn't work. Often we try to reminisce about the old days, but things didn't exactly work always. Also yeah. great back then, if we well, really want to think about it. <laughs> it was always TV. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so, but still, it was very, it was always very interesting. But uh, that was the one thing is that um, I knew I wanted to be in business. I wasn't sure if I wanted to be in my own business or work for somebody else. But when I was, as I said, I, I was pretty young. In seventh grade, I was washing dishes and busting tables but I was also selling newspapers on a street corner and I was I always had one or two jobs on the side and I always just sort of enjoyed working it was just something that you know gets you out of the house you get to come home with some money in your pocket and uh, you got to meet people and do different things and it was relatively autonomous when I was selling papers you're standing on a street corner people coming up handing your money pretty much I mean mm-hmm. you get to read the paper hey yeah. It's not bad for me. And then I went on to school, still not even sure really what I want to do. I went on to St. Louis University, and I, I had what most people wanted to do, which was, I want to get out of town. And I was originally from Chicago, and I was hell-bent on getting up to Chicago. And um, wasn't able to get the uh, right uh, situation going, so I'd go to school up there. But I'd go up there all the time, and then I wound up, uh, but I wound up at the university, I wound up, Finally settling in, moving uh, moving out on my own. I was in South City, and um, again, working in South City, I worked at Manja back in the early 90s. Mm. I worked um, in Soulard at various places, various places, parking cars or you know, bar backing, whatever it was. But then I also put on concerts, and that was a mm. different kind of thing, too. And I still wasn't exactly sure what I wanted to be as a grown-up, and I'm not even sure I'm even totally sure what I want to be as a grown-up because I... <laughs> Still sometimes think of myself as that, you know, 13-year-old kid standing on a street corner, you know? Mm-hmm. But I think I figured it out so far. At least I got everybody fooled, so. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think, I think if, if I understand correctly, that's what adulthood is. It's yeah. basically pretending you have your stuff together. Yeah, yeah. Something. Yeah, and I, I mean, I guess I must be doing an okay job. It's been 11 years uh, since I've had the bar, mm-hmm. and I've been in, you know, got some other businesses going, and I can say, okay, well, I guess I... I got everybody. I guess yeah, no one's walked up and said, "Hey, you, stop that! You're a fraud." Right. Yeah. <laughs> Get out of there. Yeah. Say, "Oh, I'm you, sorry. I'm sorry, guys. I'm here, sorry." You walk out. Drinks here. What kind of Why are you hating? Come on. Let's chat. <laughs> nah, but I went on to. Um, so I, I stayed at the university. And I started putting on concerts. I, I, I ran the college radio station. I was always doing stuff, just figuring things out. I figured, you know, if I wasn't going to move out of town, which seems just you know, something to do. Mm. Uh, like, I remember I wanted to move to Atlanta and work at the Olympics, you know, I just wanted to, mm. but then I figured I'll make my own fun. And I just started doing, you know, making my, throwing concerts and uh, mm. putting people together. And then I eventually even started, um, I started boxing. And that's what a lot of people know me for, actually. Mm. I don't know how much you know about that mm. part of me. But I, uh, I, w- I boxed for a number of years. I was not necessarily a good boxer, but I enjoyed it. And I used to, like when I was a kid, I used to wrestle and I did judo and a little bit of the combat. Again, not necessarily a superior athlete, but I, um, 
you know, I just, if you enjoy it, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter. So then I started putting on boxing matches. I started training other fighters. And then next thing you know, I'm putting on boxing matches, which are, you know, thousands of people are coming to, mm-hmm. and which was a lot of fun. Uh, mm-hmm. And it was a very, it's a different world. I started stepping into some very, you know, even though I was familiar with my city, there's a lot of corners of our city people never even see. And I was starting to get mm-hmm. into some of those corners. And it was interesting and occasionally terrifying, but uh, more interesting than terrifying. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did that for, mm, I ran my own gym for about three years. And I put on fights for probably about five, six years. Mm-hmm. And then, um, yeah, and I know all sorts of people all over town. And, uh, but I had always worked in the business. I always was like a doorman, or I was always waiting mm-hmm. tables, or I was always doing something because I had to pay the rent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I had to figure out what to, you know, like what do I want to do when I grow up? You know, I'm 30 something. Like I knew I wanted to open something, do something. And I was thinking, I want to I wanna open up a live music club because I used to promote concerts and put on concerts downtown, you know, a place that's kind of similar to like the Firebird. I was sure. wanting to do something like that. But man, that that's tough. It was a bitch to make that work. And I'm like, man, there's a tight margin. You got to figure out how to bring people in on a Tuesday with mm-hmm. some band you don't know if anybody wants to see or not. Sure. And another night you're doing absolutely great. And then next night you're like, why am I even doing this? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, thinking about that. And then, and then I started thinking about uh, the boxing, you know, and I tried to make that that a go. And, and while I have a, I had a passion for that, I loved it, but I could not get to figure out how to support myself doing that. I mean, there's just not, it's hard to support yourself. It's a great thing to support, but to support yourself. Sure. It was very difficult. Mm. But then I realized at the end of the day, no matter what I did, more often than not, I find myself, even if it was just for one quick drink, I'd stop to my neighborhood spot, have a drink, relax, everything's okay, and then I'd go home. Mm-hmm. Even if it was like, sometimes I'd get in just for last call. Mm-hmm. That was good with me. and It made me feel mm-hmm. settled. And then I realized, you know what the most consistent business there is around here? And it's one I felt very connected to being in the neighborhood. I'm like, man, the neighborhood bar is really where really where I should be. And that's when I really started doing that. was maybe about 13 years ago, 14 mm-hmm. years ago. I really started closely investigating it. Mm-hmm. So I guess this is, if this, if this means I'm grown up, this is what I finally figured <laughs> out. It took me a few years. Good answer. Yeah. All right, so... You, you just said yourself a couple mm-hmm. minutes ago, you seem to know a lot of people in town, mm-hmm. a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But, and it, I, you know, I see mm-hmm. you, whether you're at the Royale or somewhere else, you just mm-hmm. seem to connect easily to people. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to go back to what you said a couple minutes ago. Your dad used to take you to the Jefferson Bar mm-hmm. when you were mm-hmm. really young. Mm-hmm. Was that his idea or your idea? Oh, it was, it was his idea. I mean, I was just bumming along with him. Like, I walked by the Jefferson Bar on my way to school mm-hmm. as a kid. It was always a little mysterious, you know, mm-hmm. to see a bunch of, bunch of dudes in there. You know, drinking mm-hmm. and smoking, and mm-hmm. I'm not a smoker, but still, you know, it's the whole yeah. mystery of it. Yeah. But it was pretty innocuous. I mean, my, it, it's just a very natural thing for a father to take his son with him, as long as his son's old, not like a, I mean, I was, I don't know, nine or ten or something like that. I, you know, I could hold a conversation, and we would go out with the people we were, we had judo with, and mm-hmm. we'd go down there, and I, I very much enjoyed it. It was sort of really neat. And I wasn't just talking to the those guys. I talked to other people. but And I learned how to converse with adults yeah. that were not like my teacher or my sure. dad. 
Yeah. And it actually helps social skills of people to to talk to people that are from outside your direct world, especially at that age, because yeah. it's often mm-hmm. kids are terrified to speak to anybody. And that right. wasn't I wasn't necessarily like a chatty little kid or something mm-hmm. like that. I'm I'm sometimes called a late bloomer sometimes mm-hmm. even. Some people might not believe that, but I wasn't exactly like, you know, head of the uh student council or anything like mm-hmm. that. No, I just I I stayed back, I worked, I watched things work, and mm-hmm. then I, when I thought I could help out, then I would step in. Mm-hmm. So. Do you have any interesting stories from visiting there, or any particular characters you remember? <laughs> oh, do you? <laughs> oh, at the Jefferson Bar? Yeah. I do remember, I mean, Grant, this was a long, long time ago, so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and it was a pretty lively, it was just a dive year spot. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so, yeah, peanut shells on the floor kind of thing. Mm. Uh, but uh, I remember uh, a guy was teaching me how to play darts, and it was kind of fun. He was kind of wasted, and, um, you know, so I don't care. I'm just trying to play darts. I'm like, I knew the guy was drunk, but he wasn't, like, you know, pushing me or something. He was mm-hmm. just drunk, you know. I mean, But I remember he, uh, oh, God, he felt so bad. He accidentally poked me with one of the um, darts, you know. <laughs> I'm like, ow. And he's like, and he was so, so sorry. I'm like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I'm like, and I was like, I'm fine, man. It's okay. But he was so drunk and he felt so bad. Uh, my dad's over there and he's like, oh my God. Yeah. My dad had to tell him like, it's okay, man. He's, he's yeah. not going to have to go to the hospital or anything. It's, you didn't punch my kid or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but then there was an interesting guy that used to hang out there. Though, but I would see him around the town. This guy, this guy's name was Cyril Clements. Hmm. And apparently... My dad doesn't doesn't believe me, but I remember when I used to walk by, I used to see him in there, and uh, or it's a guy who looked like him. he was an old man. He'd just hang around the neighborhood there, and he was apparently apparently, and I think it's probably legit. He was like a great great grand nephew of of uh, Samuel Clemens, Mark Twain. Wow. Mm. And uh, but he was he was a he was a character in of himself. He would you know just walk around town and just sort of chat with people and mm. just kind old man. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I, I had had, um, I do remember, oh, like watching somebody get thrown out of a bar when I was probably about 12, mm. uh, when I was working. Mm-hmm. And I remember because they brought in, I mean, I really wasn't want any of the muscle, but you know, when you have to throw somebody out and they're kind of big, you'll tap everybody's shoulder that works in the place. And I'm like, all right, you gotta come down. And I remember the guys, oh, what was his name? He used to work next door at the shop that used to sell Dickie's pants. It was this <laughs> old place. Mm. Anyway. Um, man, his name will come to me. But he was pretty cool, and he was a regular. But he just had to go that night, so he <laughs> called in all the other like cooks and uh, from upstairs, and you know they just had to stand there and they had to ask him to leave. Mm. And then um, he was like, "Yeah, I guess it's time for me to go." <laughs> and I like that because I still use that today. Like if there's somebody who's a little bit, oh, all right, I'm gonna have to ask this guy to leave. You just make sure that they see that there's a mass of people there, and they. They're, they're going to be disagreeing with whatever you're saying. And it's mm. just easier for them to walk out. It's not my style. But even though I was involved in boxing and everything, the last thing I'm really interested in is tangling it up. Unless yeah. we're like, look, okay, w- let's really formally do it. And we'll get in a ring and let me warm up a little bit. <laughs> make sure there's a guy there that'll make sure you don't bite me or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. So. <laughs> nice. yeah, I mean, the Royale, though, it's, it's really kind of like a St. Louis institution. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, one of the, I remember back in the days, uh, like, I guess for me back in the days, like, going like 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, um, it was one of the only places you can go in St. Louis to get a really nice cocktail. Yeah, no, that was, I remember, I remember that quite distinctly. You're right. It was, 
um, the RFT, uh, a friend of mine wrote a nice piece in the RFT and sort of noted that. Now, there were good drinks you could get in town, but I think we, I mean, I don't want to, like, take too much credit or something, but, like, we sort of developed it, just kind of making it as, like, a regular, you can get a good cocktail at a regular kind of place. Yeah. And we will use the proper ingredients, and we will use the proper um, presentation, the proper builds on these drinks. And it was important to me to make sure that we had that in my, like, this is, that's my house. The Royale yeah. is, like, my house. And sometimes things take a little longer. Sometimes, yeah. you know, uh, things might, uh, this doesn't taste like an amaretto sour. It's like, well, that's because we use real lemon juice. <laughs> <laughs> you know, things like that, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, but, you know, so be it. You know, I can, I'll have to have that, that amateur just, you know, they're not going to be happy. But that's all right, you know. Yeah. I want to make a right drink, so. I remember one time I was there, and uh, these two drunk girls were about ready to throw a riot because you didn't have Budweiser. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, I mean, you have a really nice selection of craft beers. You always have, and that's something I always enjoyed as well. Mm-hmm. I used to be more of a beer person. I think the Royales would turn me into a cocktail person, first, the person honest. Yeah, no, it's interesting. In fact, I've been watching more of the beer trends lately. Mm-hmm. And, obviously, we've had this true renaissance of beer that's mm-hmm. happened nationwide but in particular in a thirsty beer drinking town like St. Louis mm-hmm. it's been a radical yeah and it's been rapid growing and it's I think healthy too but with that I've also seen an increase quite specifically over let's say three years ago mm. that I now sell more cocktails than ever mm. uh, now, there's, there's probably a hundred reasons for whatever, and mm. we could dissect them, but my immediate sort of assessment is, is that, one, is that craft beer is now available at so many more places than you ever would have been able to get before. Mm. Like the grocery store now, literally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like before, you could get, you know, you get some good beers, but it was literally like probably about 20 or 30% of what the selection is now mm. to like six years ago. Sure. And uh, like the Macklin Avenue Deli used to be the only place you could get it. Oh, now, yeah. now the thing is, also like Schnucks has got mm-hmm. most of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you can go into places that before would only carry Anheuser Busch products, mm. like exclusively. Sure. Yeah. And those places are fewer and fewer. And mm. now you're seeing more and more places carrying craft beers. Now some of them are no. Most places don't carry quite the selection we have, but you're seeing you know a lot like ITAP didn't exist and all these other bars that have just crazy amounts of taps or different types of beers exist so there's just more beer available now than ever which to a point makes it then the fact that we do our cocktails quite correctly and at an accessible sort of you know entry point price that's why we're selling them because mm. I mean they're they're done right and they're done correctly and you know you can get draft beer other places too mm. I don't yeah. know that's at least my speculation mm-hmm. yeah yeah, is that part of the reason why you found the uh, TikTok Tavern? Is a really focus on beer? Well, it is, yeah. It's much more beer-focused. And that, now, Thomas Crone, my dear friend and uh, partner in the TikTok, um, he steers that one a little bit more directly. I will say that I'm, uh, my role there is much more on the bookkeeping side of things, mm. making sure that, um, you know, taxes are paid, licenses are renewed, the insurance mm. is good, and... Uh, just generalities on that and I'll talk to him a little bit about the beer now granted his is much more of a the TikTok's much more of a knock around kind of spot mm, you know sure. a little I hate to use the word divey but closer on the divey mm. side of things sure and uh, that 
that side of the equation tends to be much more beer oriented. Sure. And um, it's almost like geography, even almost over there, it's almost even more, a little bit more beer oriented in that particular part of the neighborhood mm. as well. And um, Thomas does not, he's not a cocktail uh, enthusiast. And you know, and it should be a reflection of the owner. So he enjoys his drink, but he doesn't kind of, you know, like, he, uh, this is not like his thing necessarily. Sure. He really does enjoy his beer. Mm-hmm. And it's a very interesting vibe over there, too. Mm-hmm. And I kind of dig it. I mm-hmm. definitely dig it. When I, when I was approached with that project, I was like, I was resistant at first just because I'm a pain. But, and then I was like, okay, you know what? Actually, this does sound like it can work. Let's, let's, let's make this work, guys. And now I've got two great partners over there, TikTok, and we, we make it work. It's a very simple recipe, too, though. So, cool. Yeah, Christina and I actually have a little bit of a history of the Royale that we both used to go there before we even met each other. Oh, I know. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And we had our first kind of uh, the first time I ever kissed her was there at the Royale. And the first what? First time we kissed her was at oh, the okay. Royale. Okay. And our first official date was there too. Mm-hmm. Oh, jeez. Okay. Yeah, so it was very kind of a oh. important. And we actually even thought about it actually being where we went at, as an after party for our wedding. <laughs> except we kind of knew that we were not going to be up. To feeling good in the after party, you want to go to bed and sleep. Yeah. Right. After the wedding. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. It's guys like you that make me feel like this is why I got into business. Oh, cool. mm-hmm. I um, and there's other friends of mine who have, you know, they've identified the Royale as sort of like I want, and it goes with the, the classic sense of um, you guys may be familiar with the term the third place. Hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a uh, there's literally a whole area of study, but it's. It's the concept that you go to work, mm. that's a place you go to and then you spend time in. You go, you go home, that's a place where you go and you spend time in. But there's usually another place that's usually on a voluntary basis mm. that you go to. Mm. And it's a place where you get to identify with your neighbors, and that's the third place. Mm. Some people, it's the neighborhood bar. Some people, it might be a diner. Some people, it might be a library. You know, some people might be the park or whatever it is, but it's usually to sit down and socialize with some sort of regularity with your neighbors. Hmm. And uh, I want to create a place like that that people would hold dear to them because I hold it dear to me because hmm. those are sometimes some of the most precious times that sort of like almost normalize you. It's like if work feels crazy, you go there just to kind of realign yourself. Or if, you know, uh, your house is just, you know, like, oh, I just can't deal with this anymore. Yeah. You know, you just go there. And realign yourself mm-hmm. and occasionally you might go to the bar and you're like oh my god i can't deal with this right now <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. but normally speaking you know we're we try to be consistent in what we do yeah. you know so i mean nobody's perfect but we try to just be there for it but as in everything you know so yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> when when you think of the word successful who comes to mind for you oh interesting um anyone you don't have to know them no oh, okay <laughs> yeah well I mean, you know, it's, um, I do enjoy people that have greater vision for uh, a community. And uh, it's actually funny because I had, I had a conversation, a long conversation with Joe Edwards yesterday. And he's the kind of guy that I would say that, like, I would see him as very successful. Now, granted, you know, there's other people that aren't necessarily as high as profile as he is. I mean, he's just high profile. He's a very public man, but so am I. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I mean, he has taken something and his vision and he helped other people come along the way and through many detractors to try mm. to get to the point of where he is and mm. uh, I, I very much respect that 
and again nobody's perfect or any of those things mm-hmm. but still you know I mean mm-hmm. if you don't have vision um, and for those who don't know him uh, what, what does oh yeah Joy Edwards is the sort of um, he's the big guy uh, sort of the unofficial mayor of the Del Mar Loop which is a very popular part of town that started off as sort of like a shuttered uh, business district back in the 70s and he's taken he's been in business there since then and it's since become sort of like a premier urban commercial district in mm-hmm. surrounding neighborhoods and it's it's been very beautiful and it's become a, a very big deal mm-hmm. and um, another guy who I see and I liked him too and he and he re- this guy reached out to me early another sort of higher profile somewhat in my industry too is Tom Schlafly mm-hmm. Uh, he reached out to me before I opened the bar. It wasn't like, oh, he's gonna open a bar. Let's be all chummy with this guy. And, but you know, I was because I used to work across the street from him over on Locust back in the '90s when he had his shop, and it was kind of interesting seeing him open up against, you know, the the, the king of beer in town, which was mm-hmm. you know sort of like this heavy, heavy, heavy thing above us that we couldn't deal with. But he fought against just you know the sort of tight controls that they would try to mm. place real controls to sort of just custom customary controls mm-hmm. and to watch him sort of dodge those and work with them and get around the system and work through to get this thing going I mean it's odd that you know he's a lawyer by trade and that a lawyer has to be able to open up the first brewery but in a town which is dominated by the world's uh, technically the I don't know one of the world's largest breweries you kind of need to be a lawyer mm-hmm. with a passion, obviously, sure. for your product. Mm-hmm. But he also gave me some very keen advice that was unsolicited, even. But he he called me up when I was getting jammed up when I was putting on boxing matches, and I was putting on boxing matches just on the level. And this is back uh, like oh two, oh three, just for fun. I had been doing it for a few years. Literally, like you know, I would. Just on the other side of Chippewa over here, I remember I just got together with my buddy Peter and we would invite some people over and barbecue and we would get ready and we would box each other for a few rounds and, you know, it's kind of exciting, you know, and then we do it again and then we did it again and the next thing you know, you know, 50 people show up, 200 people show up, 600 people show up and so on and so forth and I'm about to throw some of my biggest fights ever and I'm going to throw them at City Museum and the next thing you know, Boxing, as we said, there there's many corners to our city that we don't even know about. Well, some of those corners started becoming more apparent, and there were guys who were trying to pressure me to not do these fights anymore. The mm. people with the boxing, who were loosely affiliated with the boxing commission, who mm. um, had criminal ties, mm. and it was it was a very strange period because all he's doing was like okay we're just going out there it's like i want to play a two-on-two basketball game with my friends right play it do it we're not charging admission we're not doing anything but we were getting too big there's it was complicated and there was a lot of weird things going on it was getting almost dangerous but i remember tom schlafly called me up and i was getting very nervous and uh, i had like these uh guys who I didn't know trying to encourage me not to do this and saying Jeez. very sort of veiled threat kind of things to yeah. me. And I, uh, I, Tom called me up and I'm like, man, I don't know what to do. The state's telling me not to do this all of a sudden and I don't understand because I'm not breaking any rules or laws and he's like, he, he kind of told me, he's like, one thing is that you, you, it's okay to fight against the system and push back. 
just be ready to negotiate things. And mm. he gave me advice of, of everything I was doing, basically. But he just affirmed what I was doing, what I, I was doing was right. There's an article in the RFT from back, in, I think it was about right around then, that's a rather extensive that goes through the whole thing. If people are curious enough, it's, mm -hmm. I think it's online. And uh, I really respected that. He told me that, and it, it made me understand him a little bit better and how you have to work but fight within a system. Mm -hmm. And I would much rather work. Fighting is something I might do for fun, like boxing, but ultimately it's not the good way of doing it. But, you know, sometimes when people push back, you have to push back too. Mm -hmm. So, And I respected that. It got me. It just got me to understand a little bit more about how the world works and to see how he had to do things because he had a lot of people push back on him. Mm -hmm. He had tried to open up breweries here in South City years ago. A lot of people don't even know. And mm -hmm. he had to pull out and do all these interesting things. And I don't know. I saw a guy like him, and uh, I got a lot of respect for a guy like that. And of course, I see my my father as a very cool guy. You guys yeah. probably have seen him. Oh yeah, we've met many times. And he's taught me many things. He's been very supportive. My folks have been very supportive of me, even though you know, like they weren't sure what the hell I was doing for a <laughs> long time. But then they finally figured out that it's like he actually does know what he's doing, and he does have something <laughs> of a plan, and that you know. They knew something was up because I was able to bring all these things together and balance them together and make these things work. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, now, now I'm working with my father very closely, something I didn't do until the bar started. Mm -hmm. But, well, we worked together here and there on things. He would referee the fights sometimes. So. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can ask about it. One of his favorite things, he'll still wear the shirt where he has a bunch of blood on the shirt still. He's like, he, <laughs> it. he let it set. He didn't want to get it. Wow. Yeah. It was, nice. It was a fight between uh, Bob Castley, actually, and Pablo Weiss. Holy cow. Jeez. Wow. It was a, that was a, that was a great fight. Wow. <laughs> Interesting. Huh. I mean, were these with the gloves on, right? Not gloves, yeah, yeah. Okay. Gloves, headgear, amateur rules. Okay. And, uh, but, I mean, you're hitting each other in the head, mm -hmm. so it's just, you know, not necessarily the healthiest thing to do. I'm not mm -hmm. necessarily even, like, advocating for people to do this, but, you know, it's what we do. Mm -hmm. Cool. And didn't you, uh, no, actually, we didn't, you didn't actually perform inside the boxing uh, place, did you? No, huh? It, it we was went and saw a concert there. A concert? Oh, yes. Oh, there was... That was a long time ago. Yeah. yeah. And uh, we had... That was a noisy one. That was, was a weird one. Yeah. But we had to leave a little early because just uh, how much cigarette smoke was just embedded in the walls. Yeah. And just kind of, mm -hmm. everything's emanating. The no one was smoking at the time. It's still just kind of... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's... Yeah, there's yeah, that was never my favorite part of it, but you know, mm -hmm. with people coming together, and I found out it's actually interesting. I found out from my grandmother. My grandmother was alive at the time when I was putting on the fights. Both my grandmothers were, mm -hmm. and I would invite them because you know my grandma. They want to see me do my thing, mm -hmm. and I remember my one grandmother, my very proper lace curtain Irish grandmother. She would come in, and she was like, "Oh." Well, this is it. The last time I was at a boxing match was in my backyard in Iowa City, and my father had was putting it on. I'm like, what the hell is she talking about? Mm -hmm. Apparently, he used to box at like the county fair, and he mm -hmm. used to bring the kids together in the neighborhood. They used to box in the backyard. I'm like, well, mm -hmm. clearly, I am not falling far from the genetic mm -hmm. tree here. Mm -hmm. But then my other grandmother, my party grandma, <laughs> party grandma. Oh, she was a party grandma. She mm -hmm. showed up at this one over there on Kentucky <laughs> Avenue, and. Uh, she liked it. She, you know, she, she, she had no problem vibing at all. She liked to drink. Mm. She showed up, and her first thing was she'd always be upset if I took her somewhere that didn't have drinks. <laughs> what kind of restaurant is this? <laughs> it's a taqueria. And I'm like, but Grandma, the food's really okay. Fine, we'll, we'll get it. 
But I remember, so so she shows up. She goes, where are the drinks? And I'm like, uh, and I saw some guy with like a cooler over there. I'm like, uh, go talk to my friend over there. He, so then next thing you know, she's got a can of bush. And then she, then she goes to settle down. And then she sees my other friend. This was just really strange. So we're in a backyard, okay? Mm-hmm. And she sees this other guy over here. And he's got a... Um, He's got a blender, which is weird, like a portable blender. He's making margaritas. It was wow. really like, like I, you know, like he put me to shame right now. So we're literally like in a backyard with garden hose, uh, uh, ring ropes, and you know, like a carpet put down for the, the ring of the floor. Mm. And uh, um, she goes over him. And she goes, "Oh, what are you making?" He goes, um, "My friend Tim Mancini's kind of like got tattoos, kind of a tough dude." And she, she goes. She goes, oh, I'm making a margarita. And there's the 85-year-old woman. She goes, oh, really? Hmm. And then she, he goes, do you want one? And she's like, absolutely. <laughs> so then next thing you know, she's sitting ringside. And I got a picture of her holding a beer, like double fisting. A margarita <laughs> and a bush beer. And she's got a big smile on her face and her sun hat on. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. you know, and I was like, nice. I think I've done okay in life. Nice. My grandma's yeah. here. She's happy. She gets to watch me and my friends beat the shit out of each other. And. This will be fun. Good afternoon. Yes. <laughs> Very cool. Do, you, do mm-hmm. you have any um, TV or movie documentaries that you re- that really resonate with you? Yeah. Um, there's a couple of uh, series that I really like, and should probably not much of a surprise if people know the kind of worlds that I've stepped in, that I'm in. Is I I'm obviously a big fan of The Wire. Yes. And um, mm-hmm. sometimes I feel, and especially with a city that I feel almost a kinship to, because it almost feels like we're siblings. You know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like it's not exactly like here, but man, I feel like mm. we kind of grew up together or something. Mm. And the kind of people that are featured in that show, I'm like, yeah, I know that guy, I know that guy. And the other one, which was done by some of the same people that did it, which is on the same network, was Treme. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you've seen that one, but I haven't heard of that I, one. I've heard of it, but I never watched it. It's set in New Orleans about six months after the uh, Katrina, mm-hmm. and it. But the thing is, it's got a, it's got like a dive bar barkeep. This woman who's trying Ooh. to hold on to her bar. It's got like a fancy restaurant chef. It's got this crazy DJ from the community radio station. Mm. Musicians, cops, lawyers. You know. Um, Sounds like an evening at the Royale. Yeah, no. I'm sitting, I'm, sitting there, I'm sitting there, kind of going like, yeah, this this looks like the people that I run with. <laughs> so yeah, those are those are ones. In terms of documentaries, I do get kind of. Um, I get kind of the gritty stuff, um, um, harsh stuff that a lot of people I find hard to watch, mm. like Frontline and mm. um, uh, some of the PBS documentaries. I even watch some of the uh, Vice News. Yeah, I like those a lot. Yeah, those are pretty, especially yeah. like the ones in Ukraine and all these ones that are like, I've never seen quite as deep as that mm. and on the edge and stuff that's hard to understand. Mm. It's, I mean, they show it to you, and you're like, man, I still don't understand it, but I guess I see what's happening here, and that's really fucked up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, those are the things. That, and I do I do read a fair amount, too. So it's kind of like documentaries. I read a lot of nonfiction. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. All right, then, so thinking of books. Okay. Not about what you read, but are there any books that you gift a lot to people? Mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> um, um, Tales of the Cocktail I'll give to people who, like, uh, drink. Mm-hmm. Is that a recipe book? Yeah, it's sort of like just how to how to do it correctly. Okay. And uh, I even go to it too. I mean, while I own a very refined kind of bartending, you know, cocktail bar, 
I have to keep up because I'm not behind the bar all the time making drinks. I'm just, mm-hmm. you know, like, I'll make drinks right, right now or I'll make some myself. Mm-hmm. But, like, in terms of, like, I understand the, the general production, but, you know, sometimes I have to remind myself of the finer points sometimes, and that one will help me out a lot. Um, I will get, oh, there is one of the books that I get because there are some books that I'll buy to some people. Oh, there was just a really funny, silly one that I bought all my... Co-workers. I bought them the Tales of Cox, but I also bought um, them um, Sad Chairs. <laughs> sad Chairs. Sad Chairs. And it's uh, Bill Keegy. Um, he put a book together, and all he did was take photos of like chairs that you see in like an alley, but in unusual positions, mm-hmm. with an interesting caption. It's just mm-hmm. a funny, funny yeah, book. Oh, and another one that I gift is um, my friend Kevin Belford, although it's out of print now. It's, it has to do with the history of the... Uh, blues pre-war blues in St. Louis called Devil at the Confluence. Mm. It's a very interesting book, and it kind of it helps me understand of like why we're here. It helps me understand our culture. It helps me understand just sort of like uh, almost like that that unidentifiable parts of our culture. You know, it's like you can know that this guy was mayor, and this was built, but it goes a little bit beyond that, almost mm. with the mysticism. And going with that, I will gift an occasional. Um, a graphic novel that a friend of mine uh, put together and he's done a few different ones his name is Tim Lane mm. and um, um, uh, he's done a few different ones um, uh, he's doing a new one on the Mississippi River he's done one on for uh, Steve McQueen and he actually does some illustration for the RFT but he does mm. some very cultural ones that he's trying to dip into for St. Louis and actually I recently commissioned him to do a series on Stagger Lee and he eventually wants to do a comic book. He did. I've seen those. Yeah. Yeah, and I had him doing. He's he's doing a new specific one. Exactly. In fact, I I need to hang that one up at the bar because I commissioned him to do a a, a drawing, a large drawing, of Staggerly, which mm. if people don't know, he's a uh, he's a legend. Uh, it's a legendary story about a man who named Staggerly who shot Billy Lyons uh, mm. in downtown St. Louis back in I think it was about eighteen ninety six. And it's just a very, it's sort of, he's the prototype of, if we go back to The Wire, of like Omar from The Wire. Oh, wow. Or like Samuel Jackson from Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Or any number of like bad motherfuckers. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. and like the, in the American, African American bad motherfucker. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's just an interesting story. And it's kind of a fucked up story, mm-hmm. as we know in our world that there's some of those stories. But. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are the kind of things that I'll gift around. Cool. Okay. Awesome. All right. If you could have your pick, what uh, TV game show would you be a contestant on? Oh, a TV game show, huh? Mm-hmm. When I was really young, I used to watch those a lot more. Hmm. Um, I think we all did. Yeah, I mean, yeah. if knowing now, if I could go back to the past, I would figure out how to do that pattern on the... Uh, Press your luck. Oh, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. You know, yeah. So I could make that mad catch. <laughs> that one would be my. Yeah. I heard about that guy. He just kept hitting it. Yep. Yeah, but yeah. also he went kind of crazy afterwards and lost everything. Well, yeah. That's what happens to those people. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, well, it's, it's, it was definitely one of the more trippy ones. I always wanted to do the one game show. Uh, they always had the weird, really weird uh, contest you'd have on the prices right and they had the one guy in the little alpine thing he would go oh yeah and he had to <laughs> then we shouldn't go <laughs> too far one. yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. And, he, and, he, and he'd fall over and die and <laughs> yeah it's like <laughs> they had that really annoying yodeling song yeah go with that 
And I kind of thought that would be kind of fun. It was yeah. also irritating, slightly nightmarish. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, mm. But, um, oh, you know, any of them would be kind of fun, I think. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Oh, do you have any asks or requests for the people listening? Sometimes um, something that I've found beneficial in my life is to try to do things a little bit differently in your life. Sometimes it could be some very simple things. Oh, hello, waffles. I didn't mean to ignore you. I know. <laughs> I know. And it can be some very simple things in life, you know. Sometimes it's whether it's, you know, you've tried new food or you try literally like a new spirit, mm-hmm. you know, and then give it a genuine try. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes it might be uh, taking a different route to work. Maybe, you know, going to a different neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Um, instead of driving, maybe taking your bike or carpooling or taking the bus or something like that. Just something to mix your life up a little bit instead of making it the same old same old all the time hmm. and uh, and that was one of the things I, I, I still love doing and that's why, why I love traveling your dog really likes being petted <laughs> is, is to stop in that place that looks so mysterious oh man I've been by that place a hundred times never been in go yeah. in yeah. just go in there see yeah. that you don't have to you don't have to live there you just yeah. just go and check it out and you don't have to be like a you don't have to talk to every person in the place but you know what I like doing is when you step in one of these places, especially the neighborhood spots are really the places that I'm particularly a sucker for. Mm. Uh, it's like you get to you get a real reflection of the neighborhood. And sometimes it's almost even like a time machine, you know, because some mm. of these places are old school kind of spots. Like mm-hmm. you get to feel like, wow, this is probably what it was like 30, 40, 50 years ago mm. sometimes. And it's almost magical. And you get to you get the real feel because especially in the bar setting, unbiased, much mm. more. It's like it's like the true civility. Sometimes it breaks down, but it's the civility in life. And sometimes in neighborhoods that you're uncomfortable in or you don't know much about, mm. but then you can figure out what it's like. So it might not be your flavor, but that's okay. Now you know, and you get a little bit better feeling of who, who your neighbors are. Mm. So it's, a, it's, a, it's a simple request. Okay. Tell you to go out and drink more at your yeah. bars. <laughs> <Yeah>. but, <laughs> but no, it, just, it doesn't even have to be that. It can be anywhere. You know? mm. so it doesn't have to be... I don't, I don't tune out. I, I can't. It's it's better for me to keep tuning in. It's just I find so much satisfaction out of it. Mm. Yeah. Good answer. Okay. So then, I guess the last thing I just unless there's anything mm-hmm. else you want to say, but mm-hmm. where can people find you in person and online? Sure. Uh, online, probably the easiest is uh, probably Facebook. I guess that's what, how we get a hold of each other. Twitter and Facebook. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty active on both and Instagram even. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the Royale. The Royale uh, is the Twitter handle and the Instagram handle. My uh, my uh, Facebook name and my real name is uh, Stephen Fitzpatrick Smith because Stephen Smith is not exactly a uh, a unique name. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, so uh, those are really the easiest places. And to find me physically, I mean, if you live anywhere around Tower Road Park, uh, you're probably just going to come across me no matter what. But I do, I've lived above the bar for about 10 years. Now I live in an apartment about a block from the bar. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I do split time. Sometimes I'll stay above the bar still because mm-hmm. I do still have a room above there. Mm-hmm. So you'll find me there. And typically... Now, sadly, I spend too much time being a bookkeeper. It's not exactly the job that I was thinking. Kind of what we were talking about, like, the different jobs I didn't think I was mm-hmm. going to be doing. Mm-hmm. I didn't think I'd be a bookkeeper. So mm-hmm. I'm sadly upstairs. But, you know, you can holler at me. Usually I, I, I'm in and out of the bar a lot. But I, I do work the floor typically on Saturday nights. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll be, 
uh, sometimes I'll stop at the TikTok on Wednesday to pick up bills, usually in the afternoon around happy hour, and I'll stick around, maybe have a drink. But uh, I'm in and out, always fixing stuff. Like, I mean, granted, I was there at 9 a.m. this morning, unclogging some drains, which gets me <laughs> that story that I didn't really touch back on, which was the liquids. You know, we talk about all these liquids, these delicious yes. liquids we have. But we, uh, the one thing I didn't, uh, uh, I didn't think about was, you know, these liquids, they spill. Mm. Okay? Mm. And big deal, it spills. You wipe it up or whatever, yeah. right? But you don't think the sheer volume of that liquid mm. is going to be much higher. So I have leaks like I never thought I would ever deal with. You know, like, oh, you know that little, you know, the, the tap tray? Well, it has a little hose that goes down. It doesn't go down to nowhere. It eventually goes down to that big <laughs> hole in your basement. And if you don't catch it, you're going to have sticky stuff all over your basement. Oh, it's going to be nasty. You're going to have bugs. You're going to have... And then you're going to have, oh, well, then the air conditioner is running, and then sometimes the condensation will freeze or something, or the, or the drain on it will clog up, and mm-hmm. then next thing you know, get, or the dish machine's going to have water, it's going to get, and then my floor rots out, and then i got to put a new, I didn't think I'd be doing all this repair because of liquid, yeah. and then I have to tear up a floor, more than one floor, and then, mm. uh, uh, but, you know... <laughs> Not to speak of the other liquids that hmm. you're not even going to get into in the bathroom, but uh, it's, it's you know, I didn't think I'd have to be thinking about that so much in my life. That and refrigeration. I think about refrigeration more than I ever thought. <laughs> who, the, who the fuck you think of, you know, like, I own, I don't know, 20 pieces of refrigeration or something? I don't Jeez. know. It's ridiculous. It's like, yeah, in your house, you own a refrigerator, right? That's where you put your stuff when it's cold. You have 20 some refrigerators. Next thing you know, you know you're on a first name basis with the guy that sells you refrigerators. <laughs> you're sending each other like Christmas cards. It's 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 ridiculous, you know. But you know, again, it's part of the business. It's yeah. what I do, yeah. and I never thought I'd be thinking about certain things, you know. Because mm-hmm. when I often when I was working in a place, I start getting to management. I start thinking about it a little bit more. But ultimately, now it falls on me, you know, because I'm the one that has to write the check. Mm-hmm. I'm the one that has to get pick it up and deliver it or set it in place pull the old one out ultimately i'm very happy with the challenges that i have if not i might feel useless so cool well okay thanks for coming over thank you thanks for chatting about stuff yeah that probably a lot of not people have heard yeah, yeah. So that's yeah. cool totally. and yeah. thank you for making your drink absolutely yeah. awesome yeah. good you. job yeah Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to our conversation with Steve. We really appreciate it. If you haven't already, please take a moment to hit subscribe on our podcast. That will assist us with ratings in iTunes and SoundCloud and help our popularity overall. We would appreciate that. Thank you. Next week, we will have another interview with a local up-and-coming chef in St. Louis. But in the meantime, as always go out there and eat stuff. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.